Well, hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to A Classic Conversation. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Classic Vacation's new CEO and the 2022 winner of the Female Leaders Luminary Award, Melissa Kruger. Well, welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning. I'm really happy to be here. On our recent Just Go Show podcast, we learned more about you on a personal level. Now let's find out more about you as a female leader in the travel industry. First of all, congratulations on your Luminary Award. For listeners who may not be familiar with this award, the Female Leaders Luminary Award is given to a woman whose work and dedication has helped shine the way for other women. The award is presented annually by the Travel Ally Society to an inspirational woman that leads by example with integrity and bestows kindness to all. Melissa, what an honor. Can you tell us what it means to you? Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah, you know, awards are a funny thing for me, Cynthia. Um, they catch me really off guard. I, I've never been a big winner. So it always, it always makes me a little bit uncomfortable, not anticipated. Uh, you know, sometimes you just get so in the trenches doing what you're doing for all the right reasons that you have to take an intentional pause. And I love, I love the idea of a, an intentional pause um, to think about the people that you impact and inspire along the way. This definitely caused it for me, which was a nice, um, as you referenced, as being the new CEO and taking on this role earlier this year, um, we hit the ground running. So to have a reason to celebrate, but also to think about, you know, the impact that one makes is really important. And it was nice for me, you know, when I was first asked to provide my vision for our company and to share my values, I led with our team about being kind and respectful and this award did validate for me that I am living my values and having it be recognized, it feels good. So with that, I'm being really intentional in my efforts to make sure I do reach out within our organization and the travel community. So Melissa, as a female leader in the travel industry, can you share some of your challenges and how you overcame them? Yeah, um, you know, not specific to the travel industry per se, but specific to female leadership the double bind. And so if you're to look up the definition of the double bind, it's a situation in which a person is confronted with two irreconcilable demands or choices between two undesirable courses of action. And I realize that's a little bit of a mouthful. And this exists for female leaders. So if you look at how to identify the traits of a good leader, um, there are six of them, strong, decisive, assertive, nurturing, emotional, and communicative. As a female, the first three can make others uncomfortable and you quickly get labeled as being too bold or even intimidating, yet the latter three can make us seem like we're lacking in the right competencies. Um, it's just a good point of awareness that we really have a ways to go. I think that I can be strong and I can be decisive and I can be assertive, all while being nurturing, emotional, and communicative. And you know, I'll share that, you know, even in our own company, as we went to launch, um, you know, and announced that I was becoming the CEO and the first female CEO in over 40 years of the company's history, you know, we wanted to, you know, we wanted to make sure best foot forward. And, and I was getting input, you know, be strong, talk about your kids, be bold, have some family pictures behind you, share a sweet story about your family, really, really get into your vision. And I realized gosh, this, this transition from a male leadership to a female leadership is making people uncomfortable and or uncertain. And I will forever be grateful to my VP of Solutions, Amy Logan, because she just stopped one afternoon, Cynthia, and she goes, 
Melissa, be yourself. She goes, you would not have gotten to where you are today if you weren't just yourself. So as to overcoming them, it's a really individualized process. It's being surrounded by people like Amy and others who remind you of who you are. So when it comes to proving yourself, just running your own race. That's really great advice. And you have a great leadership team too. Well, we oh, have a great leadership team. I have, <laughs> Cynthia, I mean, you and I could go on for hours. I have the most extraordinary leadership team that this company has ever had, but I, I'd put money down that we've got the best leadership team in this industry. Totally agree. Um, so let's go on to the next question. Is there a famous female that inspires you or that you admire? Yeah, you know, I really have, um, I'm really interested in the prime minister of New Zealand. I think that she, um, I'm just going to share a quote with you and it kind of, it's a nice segue from the previous answer. She was quoted as saying, you know, one of the criticisms I've faced over the years is that I'm not aggressive enough or assertive enough, or maybe somehow because I'm empathetic, it means I'm weak. And she went on to say, I totally rebel against that. I refuse to believe that you cannot be both compassionate and strong. And I love that she put that out there for us. It's thought provoking. I think it's illustrative of her and her leadership. And it's something that we should all be aware of. And for both men and women in leadership, there is a place for strength and there is a place for compassion. To say that Classic Vacations is an advocate of women in the travel industry is really an understatement because our company reflects that by the sheer number of our female executives. Let's talk about diversity in the travel industry, though. Where do you think it's at? Oh, gosh. Um, there's a lot of work to be done in this area, and I believe it is being done, but we have a lot to learn. And one of the areas that I think will help us fast track is the sheer number of companies that are decentralized and not hiring just from their geographic regions, which in themselves can end up being large pockets of demographic sameness with organizations. So classifications itself, we have employees in 26, 26 states within our country, as opposed to just one or two, which is what it probably would have been a few years back. So this will support a more diverse community within companies. And I know you're an advocate of mentoring and supporting others to reach their goals. And uh, you and I were talking just before this podcast, and I was sharing with you that I was listening to the Just Go Show podcast that you did just recently with Joseph Barney and Ray Benavides. And one piece of advice that you gave was look at the entire organization and, and see if, if you want something, if there's a position that you want, don't sit back and wait for it. Actually reach out and try to get it and try to attain it. And I took that advice. So thank you so much for that, Melissa. I really appreciate that. What advice did your mentors give you that you still find useful today? Yeah, well, first, Cynthia, thank you for um, recognizing how I'd made an impact. I That that doesn't fall into the category of what um, the advice had gotten from my mentors, but I think all too often we we don't pause. There's that word again to share with people how they made an impact on us. So thank you for sharing that with me. That means a lot to me that I could make a difference for you, which in turn makes a difference for our company. And when I make a difference for our company, we make a difference for our suppliers and our customers and your fellow employees. So I appreciate that. Yeah, this is a fun one. I have pieces of advice, very simple. I distinctly remember who gave them to me or where they came from. So from my first VP of sales in the travel industry, he said to me, the ball is always in your court. And it is not, oh, I sent an email, I'm waiting to hear back, or I'm not sure where that sits right now. 
the ball is always in your court. That's probably contributed to my reputation of having a bias towards action. One came from one of our customers and that was dim your light for no one, right? It's just because you shine bright, you shouldn't, you shouldn't damper that to make other people feel comfortable. And um, one comes from so many Thanksgiving dinners with family having different viewpoints, which is when you disagree, begin asking questions. And this actually might even go to Miranda Lambert during one of the elections. I think she was quoted as saying something like, all that's going to happen if you and I start talking about our difference of opinions is get in a fight. And I care too much about you to fight with you. But if I ask questions, then I'm going to understand and I'm going to grow. And so that's that's one that I always share with my team and my my daughters. And the third comes from Brene Brown, and that is clear as kind. I mean, sometimes we beat around the bush, but that's not kind. Being clear is. Great quotes, really good quotes to live by. Thanks for sharing that, Melissa. What advice would you give your earlier self about the journey that you were about to take in the travel industry? Oh, that's such a good one. I, um, I think about this a lot, right? Because time goes by fast and I've been in the travel industry for 25 years. If I were to go back and I were to give myself advice, it could change up my entire path. And I've liked my path and I like where I'm at. So maybe there, I wouldn't want something that absolutely changed my path, right? But I think the advice that I would give to someone now is to be very aware of the concept of assertive inquiry over advocacy. So advocacy is where I would show up for a meeting 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And that is, I would walk in Cynthia, and if I was running a department or a sales team, I would advocate absolutely for what needed to be done. And there's, that's fine, right? I, I did perfectly well on my career path with that approach. But assertive inquiry would look more like showing up to the same meeting and saying to my peers, everything I'm advocating for, but also adding this is what I'm thinking about. I must be missing something. What do all of you think, right? Because it's it's a little bit of a, it's like, it's kind of like if you're playing softball and you play soft catch, it's like you're, you're just, you're allowing for a soft landing for everybody to embrace your thoughts. So assertive inquiry over advocacy. Another piece that I think a lot of young professionals struggle with is that you want so badly to make a difference amongst your team your direct reports, your leaders, your organization, that you think you have to know everything when you show up for that meeting. And I remember times and places where, let's even say when I was running the groups division, and I would talk about the plan or talk about the strategy, and then someone would say, well, have you thought about this? And there's always a part of us that's like, oh man, I should have thought about that. And learning to let that go and just learning to embrace the fact I didn't need to think about that. I was over here thinking about something else, but I'm surrounded by a peer group that supports me in thinking about that. Obviously that assertive inquiry, um, that's a really great place to be, but you have to get really confident. So I would want all young professionals in an organization to have the luxury of those two pieces. What great advice. And I know we can't see each other right now, but I am nodding my head. The that. <laughs> Because it's like, wow. Yeah. And Melissa, I know, I know this from, again, personal experience that you are really a great storyteller. And I always enjoy listening to your stories, your anecdotes. Do you have a favorite that you'd like to share? Oh, um, I do. It's a question. And I use it so frequently in business, but it wasn't through business. 
So it is, what would that look like to you? And I'll, I'll end my anecdote with the same question. This stemmed from when my husband and I were first married, um, you know, we got married, bought a house, we were knee deep and just each other's number one priorities. And then you start a family. And like many young couples, the priority shifts from being on each other to a baby, which obviously is much needed um, priority. And we were, we were struggling to just kind of to transition into that a little bit. And so we went and saw a counselor to help, help guide us. And my husband had articulated that he didn't feel like he was a priority. The counselor asked him, well, what would it look like to you if you were? And he said, well, I don't know what it would look like, right? Because it was easy to say, these are the things that make me feel like I'm not a priority. She said to him then, she goes, well, if you don't know what it looks like, how's Melissa supposed to know what it looks like? You know, because you're not a mind reader, right? And I think that's so important. And in business, I mean, I really talk to my team a lot about this. I talk to suppliers and talk to customers because if I say to a hotel partner that I, I need something and or that something's not working, it, that's very easy to point out. But if they say, well, what would that look like to you? Then I have to do the work to say what it would look like. You know, if someone were to say to me, your customer service did X, Y, and Z, and that's frustrating to me. Well, what would it look like to you if I had the best customer service team in the industry? What would it look like to you if I had the best sales organization? I said it to my team when I came on board, what would it look like if I were the best CEO this company's ever had? And it's harder because it's a lot easier to point out where our shortcomings are as opposed to what it's going to look like if we deliver really, really well. And so what would that look like to you is my favorite. I think that's going to be my favorite now too, because it does, it puts the responsibility back on the person that's saying this is wrong or this isn't good enough. Well, what would it look like if it were? Yeah. I mean, Cynthia, let's think about if, if I reported to you mm -hmm. and you were saying to me, if we were having a review and you were saying, Hey, Melissa, you know, these are some things, you know, you know, A, B, and C that need to be done differently. And if I were to say to you, okay, Cynthia, thank you for the feedback. What would it look like to you if I was the best employee possible? Well, then because it, it's it's super simple to sit back and kind of armchair quarterback and say, here's what you did wrong, but to set me up for what looks right, that's where we really get to that highest level of thinking. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great advice all around, Melissa. I'm really enjoying this. Can you tell us what's trending in the travel executive circles and some of your industry perspective? Oh, yeah, sure. It's a, it's a really um, exciting time for us right now. I think what I'm seeing and what I'm really enjoying right now amongst the travel executive circles is almost like having your own board, the people you engage with, um, your own accountability partners. As you're leading an organization, you don't burden your team with different things you're thinking about, you're trying to solve for. So having a safe place for these conversations and to share openly is critical. And I know that for me, I have monthly meetings with the CEOs of other wholesale companies with female leaders at both American Airlines and at United Airlines, sharing openly about business decisions and practices, asking for help, um, being vulnerable. That's really, really nice. And I think that there was a time where you didn't have these conversations because they were going to take your information or they were going to know something about you personally that um, might make you feel uncomfortable. And now we're just able to really support each other. That feels really good. Um, in terms of you know, just other industry perspectives, there's so much space for everyone to be successful. I mean, I wake up every day thinking about my suppliers, thinking about my employees, thinking about my customers and making sure that the decisions that we're making at the heart of them, that all three of those groups can be really successful. 
And I think that that's, you know, that kind of transitions nicely into that as an industry where, you know, we're trying to find a new balance and equilibrium. I mean, seasonality is wonky. Hotels are at 90% capacity. It's hard for them to think about next year, um, let alone next quarter, how to manage and maximize your business mix of what's being booked direct or through a tour operator. There's a lot happening right now, but kind of going back to where I started with the answer, Cynthia, is that there's a lot of space right now where we're all sharing um, and working to be in the right place at the right time in the right way for one another. And that kind of comes into my next question, Melissa. You always encourage innovation and, and you're really not afraid of trying new things. We know that about you, but what travel industry practices do you embrace and which do you think need updating? Mm, yeah, let's start with updating. Um, <laughs> I And this, again, is not just limited to the travel industry, um, but I suppose another favorite antidote of mine, it's just abnormal adherence to policies and procedures is the death of a company. And for us, and in assuming the role, my leadership team and I did a lot of interviewing of our employees to one, really understand what everyone does and how we can support them so that they can be their best, most successful selves. And so we could also determine what we might be doing um, that we didn't need to do anymore. I mean, sometimes you do things just because that's how we've always done them. And that seems like what I'm supposed to do to do a good job. And, and then years pass by and you're spending resources of time and money doing things that, you know, that don't need to be done. And so I think as an industry, but not even just as a travel industry, just in business in general, really looking at process and procedures that get in the way of, you know, good old fashioned American business. In terms of things that I embrace, Cynthia, you know this about me. I, I'm not good at everything, but I'm really good at human beings. I love my people and every opportunity to be with our employees, to be with our customers and to be with our suppliers. Um, I really embrace that. Can't get enough of it. Yes, and I do know that about you, Melissa. I think the whole company knows that about you. <laughs> I really do. And I think that we've gotten to know you uh, a lot better as you've become CEO. And that's part of what you're doing is that you're making sure that we do know you. We do know, know you as Melissa Kruger, the person, and not Melissa Kruger, the CEO of Classic Vacations. And again, thank you for that. Well, Cynthia, there's so many elements of this job I would do for absolute free. It's it's an honor and a privilege to lead this group of people in our industry. And speaking of the industry, do you have any advice for our travel advisors on how to build and advance their business in these challenging times? Um, yeah, I mean, I would, you know, I think some of the things that I talked about for us as a company and industry you know, that encompasses the travel advisor, right? Determining the best way to work with your partners, having the discussion with us on where and how to leverage their relationship with us and our economies of scale with our hotel partners. I think it's a really good thing for a travel advisor, whether it's an owner, manager, individual contributor. And then lastly, you know, I said it before, but, you know, meeting our customers where they're at, the right place, the right time, the right way, you know, letting us know what that looks like. Now, time for a last word. Is there anything you'd like to say in closing? Oh, gosh, um, so many things. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me here today. Thank you for sharing some of our history together with me. Um, that matters to me. Uh, I'm reading a great book right now. Is that is that a good one to is that a good one to close on? That's a great one. Yeah, I'm actually reading it for a second time, and I am reading it with one of the um, industry executives that I, I shared previously in this podcast. It's a book called Atomic Habits. It's 
I mean, it's a bestseller and I'm sure many of the listeners have read it. And if you haven't, I encourage you to. So there's so many little um, easy, simple thoughts that we know. First read, definitely got them down. Second read, I'm like, oh, this is great stuff. But kind of my big takeaway, Cynthia, on that is that winners and losers have the same goals, right? It's just, it's the systems that you put in place to achieve those goals and how you identify. So for me, like right now, we're knee deep in reorganizing a lot of different elements of our company. We've done a sales reorganization. We've done a reservations floor um, reorganization. It's because I want our company to win, right? But it's not enough just to want it to win. You have to get your systems in place and be willing to do that. And so call center, customer service, even our recent launch on statements, right? This is a system to get us in place. So I love that idea about winners and losers having the same goals, but it's it's the people that win or the companies that win that put in the right system. So I love that piece of it. Two others is that our habits are formed by those closest to us. Those, the powerful, the many, and those closest to us. And I think about that a lot as I look at the organization and think about who, who we're surrounded by, right? We're surrounded by those in our department and they make a big impact on us. So do we have the right people that are surrounding us? Because that's where we're gonna pick up our habits from. And the last one I would share, and I do love this, is that the more that we move into our habits is the more that we move into our subconscious and then our conscious opens up. So I will leave you with this because I do love this part so much is that we, as an industry, we get to see the world. We get to meet people on every corner of this planet. I want as much of my conscience available to take that in and to do something with it. So when I form habits and things become just, I I do them without even thinking about it, there's more space open for bringing in the world um, that surrounds us. It's a great book, great book. Everybody should read it. I'm going to pick it up. Definitely. It sounds amazing. It sounds really inspirational. Thank you. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for dropping by and sharing your journey and your great advice. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure, Cynthia. Thank you so much for everything you do for us. Thank you. And thank you for your leadership. Thanks for listening to A Classic Conversation with Melissa Kruger, CEO of Classic Vacations. It was so inspiring and such a pleasure hearing the thoughts of a prominent female leader in the travel industry. We hope you tune into our next Classic Conversation. Other No Zone podcasts are available wherever you get your podcasts. Take care and enjoy your day.